Let's get this show on the road. Another one in the books for the White Rabbit, but not for long. I got some delicious coffee. No tea today. My apologies. We got to get to it. It's too cold outside. It's too cold out. You need that that hot Java going through your body. We're gonna move forward a little bit. I got some cool stuff I want to kind of talk to you guys about the direction of this podcast, and I'm very excited about it. When I started this thing in the beginning, it was an experiment to see if this could be sustainable. Could I do something like this? And in the process, you know, there was a lot of questions I had to ask myself. I spoke to Dr. K, we talked for a while, he wanted in on this, and so we had to just figure out what this looks like over the course of almost a year now. So I'm very proud of the work that we've put in and salute to he and I, and we're gonna move forward in a upward and onward direction of extending this thing. Uh, a couple months ago, we were talking about this, right? And I was saying that I had this, you know, this idea of what I wanted to do. And I and we found one. We came to a great, great uh, place. And I'm excited, Lord willing, we can get this show on the road. So <laughs> we have to do a slight rebrand. Same situation, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's slight. When we started off, like it was, it, it turned out to be a little bit more sophomore than we wanted it to be. And so, you know, we're kind of just taking a different angle at this. And uh, I really want you guys to see what we got coming up. Um, in the meantime, I've been really busy with uh, my internship. I've been working with the church here at Wiesbaden uh, at Heidelberg Chapel on my father's house. And what I do is I, we sat, I sat down with uh, Chaplain uh, Johnny Elder and we came to, a, you know, to this idea of what if we could capture the afterthoughts uh, of a sermon delivered by a pastor up on, on the pulpit or a chaplain. So they would go up there and give their sermon and they'd come off, say their highs and byes. And then I'd, you know, pull them into a side room for a conversation. And we uh, dubbed it the Sermon Sit Rep. And I've been really tackling these things and getting after audio and video. So that little experiment is kind of giving me a warm and fuzzy to go live for a actual, you know, uh, the audio visual on a podcast and then just post it to a YouTube page. So Dr. K has got everything under, I mean, we're, we're handling stuff. There's a lot moving behind the scenes. So until we get everything caught up, until we can get you guys up to snuff and deliver this cool product, what we got coming up for you, we've taken some of the, um, the, the sermon sit reps and we're going to go and get right into it. And we're going to, we've got six episodes pre-prepared. They're going to be dropping. I think we're going to do all six before this month is over. And I want you guys to see it or, or at least hear it. <laughs> so without further ado, I want to go right into the Sermon Sit Rep, episode one. We're talking about preparation. We're reading out of uh, three books, Matthew, Thessalonians, and the book of Revelation. And we're getting right down to the meat. Give me one second. So we're looking at preparation. And give me one second. 
How did I do that? Oh man. Oh, there it is right there, my bad. I found it. Okay, so we're going into episode one, preparation. We're looking at three particular um, pieces of scripture here, Revelation 16, 15, Matthew 24, 43, and Thessalonians 5, 2. This is part of a, this is coming on to uh, one of the advents uh, for the Christmas time frame. And what I drew from this was preparation is the, is the process, is key. Um, this might be something old school, but stand to or stand to arms. There's a process of standing to us, uh, observed morning and evening by both sides of the war in reference to World War II in the trenches. Most notably on the Western Front, each man would be expected to stand on the trench fire step, rifle loaded, bayonet fixed. The theory ran that most enemy attacks were mounted before dawn or shortly after dusk under cover of darkness. Consequently, both sides took care to ensure adequate preparation at such times, manning the fire step an hour before dawn and dusk. I want to key in on the word adequate and then go right into uh, preparation. Right? This is important. Preparation is key. I want to look at Matthew 24, 43, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him to be. Thessalonians 5.2, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation 16, 15, look, I came like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. What are we talking about here? This preparation, this readiness phase, adequate preparation. What does that mean? What does that mean to you guys? When I hear that, I, I think about having things in order before the attack happens, standing to. How I read this is staying, when Jesus said, look, I come like a thief, blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Those are the ones who are awake. Those are the ones who are following close to Christ. Those are the ones who are obeying God's commandments. Those are the ones who are in their own discipleship, they are also discipling other disciples. You're remaining ready. You're clothed in the light of the Lord. So you do not go naked and be shamefully exposed come judgment day. And I think that we have to stay awake. We have to be prepared. And I think those words of action, um, to a degree, is you being it's 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 an action phase that gives responsibility to the person who's doing it it's not just one of those things where i'm just here and we're going to go into episode two later we're talking about believer versus disciple and what those things entail and this is all in the process of that it's the preparation this is the preparedness cleaning 
your heart, cleaning your life, being ready, because we do not know when Jesus is going to come, and he will return like a thief in the night. So without further ado, I want you guys to take a listen to Sermon Sit Rep, Episode 1. Enjoy, and God bless. On the podium, mm. giving us a great message we have today with a Kaplan Elder. How's it going, sir? Great. How, How you, you feeling? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I have a lot of notes. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I, have, I have pages and pages. Well, I hope I notes. was paying attention. I hope so. <laughs> okay. My... My first question, you said that Christ will return is, is uh, similar to a thief in the night. Um, that, that, that to me, and that we have to ready ourselves. Mm. How does one ready themselves within the context? Because when I hear this, uh, to anticipate, to me, is an action word. It's a readying phase. It's, it, it's a preparation. Um, can you can you kind of can you kind of speak to what that readying phase looked like in real life? Yeah, so um, I guess in real life, what I'm talking about is, and it's not like I'm not talking about some mystical secret thing that we need to figure out. Right, right, like, right. That's what I always wanted it to be. The ancient scrolls. Yeah, because yeah. that way, that way, I can also blame somebody for not figuring it out. For sure, you know. For sure. I mean? Yeah, for sure. And for so, sure. It, it, when I was talking about that, and that comes out of the Book of Matthew when Jesus was teaching, um, I'm simply talking about living out the commands that He gives us. Okay, you know. And so, being ready, meaning one, we are patterning our life according to His commands, because even though we are saved, mm -hmm. there's an expectation of how we're supposed to live our life. For sure. That coupled with the fact that we're actually anticipating his return. Because um, I think if we carried the parable a little bit further, you know, the, the, the person who owns the house, if they knew when the thief was coming, they would be able to just wait for the thief. For they, sure. They wouldn't have yeah. to anticipate the yeah. thief's coming. But they're told that they have to anticipate so that they're always ready. Now, the opposite end of that is, is you could just assume that no one's ever going to break into the house. That's true. And then you just live however you want, right? That's true. And so I think it's couple. It's both of those. If, if we have an anticipation of Christ's return, like that he is one day coming back, then that will spur me on to live according to the way that he's called. So if you if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Uh, in the in the words, yes, <laughs> yes, very good. I should have sang that this morning. I like that. So we're talking about my next question leads me right right into hope and what it is not. Mm -hmm. That's a great. You covered some great substances here. Uh, <clears throat> what hope is not uh, a positive mental outlook, um, and the the importance. Can you can you kind of speak to me on the importance of distinguishing what hope is and what hope is not? Mm, yeah. So, I, I think the easiest way to distinguish, and and we, I mean, because people still use the word hope. For sure. You and I are saying hope is and hope is not. I guess we could also say this is what biblical hope is, and this is what the world says hope is. Got it. Um, 
And ultimately, the easiest way that I know of to determine that is biblical hope is defined by the object of the hope. Okay. Okay. It's not in my ability to hope. It's not in the probability of something that's going to come to happen. You know, we hope our team wins the Super Bowl, sure. but that's based on us running the numbers and trying to figure out what the probability is, you know, of them winning or, or whatever. Right. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is defined and determined by the object of your hope is how the Bible describes hope. It's okay. a, for a Christian, it's not an action. It's a noun. Sure. I have hope. For sure. Not I am hoping. That is awesome. That's a great worldview of looking at that. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> I just want to input something. You mentioned the medical aspect of hope mm -hmm. and how people have to have hope or they'll die from, from, from the heart being sick. Mm. I would like to defer um, everyone to Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, he, he talks extensively about being in a concentration camp and how people who are there who just have no hope they die yeah. under the exact same living conditions, yep. the, the nutritional value, the temperature exposure, the ones who, 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 who made it through that horrific event, all of them had hope. And so what I am surmising is that you have to have hope for physical health. Mm -hmm. You have to have the hope for spiritual health. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Because, I mean, I did, you know, and I, and I didn't really define it a whole lot or, or split that out, but, but you're right. I mean, I'm not saying that the world's idea of hope for is sure. bad. For sure. I'm just saying it doesn't take us all the way across the finish line. Right. Because I learned that same, that same hope that, that Viktor Frankl talks about, I learned in Sears School. I mean, we're taught that we need to have hope that we're going to be rescued, that no one is going to be left behind. That's For what sure. our country talks about. Yep. And so that's what gets even POWs through. They're all in the same prison camp under the same um, you know, conditions. Right. But those that have hope are the ones that survive. And so, yes, a worldly understanding of hope is helpful. I mean, we just had... Um, uh, Dr. Lisa Miller in town for the spiritual readiness initiative that the Chaplain Corps has. And she talks about the protective factor of spirituality. Mm -hmm. And she's not talking about Christianity. She's talking about just spirituality as a whole, someone practicing their faith. And one of the components of anyone's faith is hope. Right. And it protects 70% against suicide. Wow. Um, is her, and that's, this wow. is a PhD doctor who has done research um, to show that that hope or practicing spirituality has a 70% protective factor against suicide. Wow. That is um, so hope is powerful. Yes, it is. It's staggering. I want to, I want to change gears a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> you were talking about, um, those who, receiving or obtaining a, an, a non, it's imperishable, this inheritance, as opposed to someone who works for the master. They're only being paid their wages. Right. Uh, or, or they're working for the, like the way I interpret that is they are working for the Lord. Mm -hmm. What does that person today look like? 
someone who's just earning their wages and not and not someone who is uh, being provided an, an imperishable inheritance? Mm, wow, that's a great question. Um, and, and I'll have to go back to to kind of the first question you asked. For sure, is my faith tradition and where I come from. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. Correct. So that anyone could boast about it. Right. And 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 the problem that I see in mainstream Christianity and the church writ large is people take that idea and they translate it to I don't have to do anything. And you're right, you don't have to do anything to be saved according to my understanding. Right. But after you are saved, there's a whole lot you're supposed to do. Absolutely. And so the only difference between those two people is what is the reason behind the doing that you're doing? Are you doing it to earn salvation? Then I would say you are earning a wage and you're not going to earn salvation. You're doing it John Constantine style. Right. But if you are doing it because you are saved, then you are earning an inheritance. Absolutely. Because Amen. you are now a child of God. You are not someone doing it of your own accord or trying to do something. Because in my mind, and again, if I upset someone out there, I'm sorry, I'll have a conversation with you later. If I have to do anything to add to my salvation, it means that Jesus Christ's death on the cross was not enough. For sure. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, there's a whole lot that I'm supposed to do. That is a very artistic way that you put that. That is that that's amazing. Uh, you, you talked about believer and disciple, and you wanted to change gears yeah. and, and stop from using the word believer and really kind of lean into disciple. Why is that? Matthew 28, the Great Commission. The Great Commission says what? Go into all the world and make believers. No. It says go into all the world and make disciples. And we have turned church into people saying the sinner's prayer. Instead of raising up disciples. Mm. And, And so it's about... That, so that's why, that's, that's ultimately the reason that I'm just trying really hard not to use the word believe. Because it doesn't really, I, again, I don't think the idea is biblical. I don't think anyone decided one day, hey, let's use believer and see if we can't steer people wrong. Right. I, I, I mean, because we are to have belief or we're to have faith. And if we have belief, that makes us believers. But that, unfortunately, seems to be where we stop in the modern day church. Right. that I've been a part of, right. is we stop at, we need to get people to say the sinner's prayer, and then there's not a whole lot after that. And that is the beginning. 